0: Welcome to the DNA Advantage Podcast, where you can learn facts about your DNA that can help you live a healthier, longer life doing all the activities you dream of doing. If you want to gain more control over your health and the factors that influence it, you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Lisa Witherow. Welcome back to the DNA Advantage Podcast. I'm so glad to hear how many people are interested in their DNA and are actually doing testing so they can learn about their personal health needs. There are many really good tests out there, some we've already talked about in a previous episode, but I just had some questions recently that I think could help others in their pursuit of testing and discovery. One question is, how many genes should be tested? I've had several people come to me to learn more about their DNA with tests they've done through online companies or other practitioners and that work really well, but some only test a handful of genes, so that's not really offering a lot of insight for the client. As an example, some practitioners and doctors look at methylation as a primary focus and only test around five genes. While this may provide a glimpse of how the methylation pathway is capable of functioning, it isn't the whole picture. If there's no copay or additional charge to you for this test, it's a decent first step to learn more about your body's capability. But it seems that some of these smaller tests cost more than the more comprehensive tests that are available. If a doctor is testing you for methylation, it's also valuable to know other pathways such as the sulfation pathway, so that you don't end up with additional complications if you supplement or start eating new foods. Just know that you can get a test of more than 20,000 genetic SNPs for less than $300, and that information can be accessed whenever you need to learn more about yourself. You don't have to figure it all out at one time. The second question I've had asked many times is, does my DNA test reveal a diagnosis? A DNA test is not diagnostic or predictive. It's more of an indication of how efficient your body is at various functions. And one genetic variant that may compromise function can be compensated for by another in the same gene. Or a nutrient or lifestyle choice may be supportive of that variant so you aren't expressing that gene or presenting with symptoms, which is great. That's why it's important to look at how your genes are expressing through symptoms, health history, current function, and sometimes even lab testing can help. You don't want to be prescriptive with your DNA and start taking a supplement just based on one variant. When people treat their genes without comprehensive consideration, it can actually cause problems within the system. Another common question I've heard is, why would knowing my DNA help me? It only tells me my risk factors, right? I can definitely understand and relate to why people hesitate to do a DNA test if they believe they're only going to get scary news about their health, but it isn't the case at all. If you have done DNA testing and gotten a report that gives you percentages for disease risk, please look beyond it or throw that initial report away. The true value of a DNA test is to help you understand your body and identify specifically what your body needs. Like most people, I don't want to be told what risk factors I have for disease and then be sent on my way. That's not helpful at all. Instead, my goal is to identify what we can do for our specific needs based on our strengths and weaknesses. Here are just a few examples. Looking at DNA, we can see if a person is capable of converting and absorbing specific nutrients well. There are many nutrients the body uses for certain functions, so we don't want to be without those substances in our cells or it can develop into symptoms and eventually disease. If we see that the DNA is compromised and there are symptoms or lab testing indicating a deficiency, eating more foods with that nutrient or supplementing can be helpful. In some cases, there are other genes that can be involved in processing certain foods or supplements, like sulfur foods, broccoli or cabbage, as an example. In that case, we want to make sure to consider those downstream genes as well. Another example is a person dealing with ongoing symptoms. Looking at potential causes within their DNA can include nutrition, detoxification, inflammation, methylation, and oxidative stress genes. If we see that the body doesn't eliminate a specific toxin well, and we identify a likelihood for chronic inflammation to develop whenever there is a disruption in the system, it may be helpful to support the body in reducing inflammation even after the toxicity issue is addressed. And I'll give just one more example. Let's look at a person who has a concern of breast cancer because she's had relatives with the diagnosis. It can be valuable to look at many pathways to understand how she's producing and metabolizing estrogen, how she receives xenoestrogens and detoxifies chemicals, pesticides, and herbicides. If it's discovered that there's a challenge for one or more of these functions, there are preventative and protective steps that can be taken, like minimizing exposure to toxins and xenoestrogens, detoxifying, and supporting overall hormone balance. I guess the point is... We need to remember we're a complicated mess of genes, so isolating just one gene or even one category of genes and pointing a finger isn't really in our best interest. Doing a more comprehensive test and taking the time to figure out what it means for our health is really valuable. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. If you want to learn more, please like and subscribe to this podcast. I would love to hear from you too. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as The DNA Advantage. Feel free to post questions and ideas for additional episodes you'd like to hear.